Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. All right, good morning. Takeover Church, how you doing? Oh, fantastic. Hey, give it up for Grant one time, holding down the keys. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's very generous of the worship team to leave you to me for the next hour and a half. It's going to be so good. Just get ready. It's going to be a good morning. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. But hey, are you glad that you're in church this morning? Are you happy to be found in the house of the Lord this morning? And then what I need you to do is look around you, take inventory of who's not here this morning, and send them a text and say, hey, church is better with you here. Because yeah. I'm not going to lie. As your pastor, it's a little disheartening yeah. to turn out this morning. Yeah. And I know you don't ever hear that on anybody else's podcast. I know you don't ever hear that on any Instagram video. I know you don't ever hear that. But what the Lord is doing here is so special that I don't want to miss a single moment of it, and I'm telling you, you shouldn't either. Yeah. And if you're listening online or tuning in later, you shouldn't either. I'm for vacation. I'm for time. I'm for those things. Most importantly, I'm for the local church. Yeah. All right. Moving on, more dad talks to come. You like who you're sitting next to? Well, you better, because they're going to be the shoulder of which you cry on in a second. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Could you imagine? Oh, man, it's going to be a good morning, I promise. But hey, we right now, uh, yeah, the baby station, Pastor Scott, that was an incredible, incredible offering message. We are super excited about that. So start praying and figuring out and asking the Lord how you can be a part of that and involved. Um, because it's an amazing opportunity. It really is. Um, the world has changed, and uh, let's take care of it. Let's take care of the people, the, the women and the men and the families that find themselves in those difficult places and situations of maybe financially not being able to provide and take care of things. And, man, I want to be the church again where uh, people aren't running to the government to pay their bills, but they're coming to the church for provision. It's my dream one day, and maybe we don't talk about these things enough, and this is actually in my notes, but I think I want to spit a little vision this morning, because maybe it'll give some people some vision to be back in church every single week. Um, but I got a vision for Takeover Church, where one day we have uh, Takeover, ready for this, ready for this, Takeover Garages, where mothers on Mother's Day... And we have, we have mechanics and garages that are willing to do pro bono brake work and pro bono car work for the mothers in the local church. I have a dream that Takeover would actually have its own body shop, its own garage, because of a practical way we can come alongside people and provide things. I got a dream that one day we would have a takeover doctor's office where we have doctors who are part of Takeover Church, and a couple days a week they do pro bono work. And they come in and they donate their time, gifts, treasures, and talents, and studies, and years, and they forego uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of doctor bill visits, and they sew it into the local church, and they meet with people who can't afford it. I have a dream for that. 
I have a dream that we would have a college. I would have a dream that we'd have a school and a daycare. I have a dream that over the next 50 years, we would begin to see this take place. Because I'm sick and tired of seeing the church go to the world to meet its needs when it's God who wants to meet the needs of the church through the church. You're a part of something that's so much more than just 10 a.m. on a Sunday. You're a part of something that's so much more than a religious organization of 501c3 certification. I don't give a rip about that. I don't. I don't exist to get tax breaks. I could care less. I exist to see Jesus take over people's lives, and that's what this church is for. Amen? And we will serve, and we will see the Lord do that any way he sees fit. I have a dream. I have a dream where church is growing so much that we have to have multiple services a day. But it's not just multiple services a day where we're cramming things in. No, it's multiple services where, where we're graced to be able to sit and stew and bask and be in the presence of God. And we don't have to offend him by trying to push people out the door so quickly because our God simply is a crockpot kind of God. He likes to bask. He likes to sit. He likes to settle in. He likes to have his time and his space. And he is done with drive through fast food Christianity. Every single leadership bone in my body that I learned, whether it's a Bible college or sitting under some of the greatest leaders I know, would all be telling me not to say these things right now. But I want to spit some vision because I just don't believe that's the church. I don't believe that's the pastor's job is to sit on his hands when he sees something wrong. And if that offends you, good. Because this is home. This is home. I'm not speaking to those that took a week off to go to vacation. I'm speaking to those who take summer off. This is home. It's not because I need your money. It's not because I need you to keep the lights on. This is home because this is where God dwells, and this is where he calls us to be. And he's the one who said, don't forsake the fellowship and meeting and gathering of the saints. That's his words. That's the book of Hebrews. That's what he's all about. I love you. And if I didn't, I wouldn't tell you the truth. Amen? Do I still have some Jesus people in the building? I know I do. Because you're here. Because you're here. So, like every single week so far, we are week nine. Week nine, feeling fine, of the Jesus people series. Has this blessed you so far? Has it challenged you so far? Have we ruffled some religious feathers so far? Probably. But I'm telling you, right now, on the hottest day in the summer, I'm telling you, God has oil. God has juice. God's got new wine. There's something available to you today. If you will just lean in, listen, receive, Ask the Holy Spirit for a divine revelation and then take it to heart and practice it in your daily lives. I promise you today. And I want to say, praise God that the only heat 
we have to take as being Christians is bogus crap on the media and Twitter and from the sun. And praise God that we're not being boiled like John in the book of Revelation before literally 80,000 people at the Roman Coliseum. So you know what? We got a bunch of fans. Lean in. Don't remove yourself. Don't draw back. Don't allow the heat to create discomfort. Think of it as some quasi way of fasting this morning. Lean in and get what the Lord has for you because I promise you, I promise you, he has something for you today. Sound good? Amazing. Well, we're taking notes this morning. Oh, wait, too soon. As you know, if you've been a part of church for the last nine weeks, we're going to recite the Jesus people prayer, and I'm going to ask you today that you would say it with some conviction this morning, that you are convinced by it. I want you to say it with such passion and enthusiasm that I can tell from up here you are fully persuaded by what this prayer says because we've been reciting it together in unison, one heart, one soul, one strength, one voice for nine weeks now. And I hope this has run deep inside of us. Sound good? So repeat it after me. It'll be up on the Sky Bible. Hey, give it up for Kelsey one time holding down the Sky Bible. Come on, ready? How many of you are grateful that she's back there throwing in all the spontaneous Holy Spirit lyrics? I am. I'm like, I'm trying to follow what the Lord is doing. She's back there. Amazing. She got it. She, wait, she's not even back? Okay, so she pulled the Jesus and she went, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Okay, teach me how you did that later because I want to come from up there down here. Uh, and give it up for Phil one time in the back. Come on, holding it down. Holding it down in the AV. I love Phil Vedetich. And then honestly, in order to pronounce his last name, you got to perform his wedding, okay? Just so you know. Kayla goes, it's pronounced dead in a ditch. And I was like, that's, that's pretty close. It's pretty close. Glad you're alive, Phil. All right, here we go. Ready? Somebody say, Father God. Father God. Mm, mm, no, say it like you need something from him today. Say, Father God. Father God. Build, your Build your church. That the gates of hell, gates of hell. would not prevail, not prevail. against her. Give us your heart. Give us your words. Give us your power. Create in us a zeal for your house and a longing for your presence. Fill, purify, and mark us. Make us like Jesus. Set us apart. I said set us apart. I said set us apart. And make us a holy nation. A what kind of nation? A holy nation. Make your presence known here. Known here. Establish signs and wonders among your people. Pour out. Pour out. Pour out. Pour out. Pour out. Your spirit upon us. We will be, we will be, we will be, we will be, we will be your people. You will be our God. We declare your kingdom come, your will be done in our city as it is in heaven. Let revival, let revival, let revival. Come! And all God's people said. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and praise Jesus because he ain't done yet.
He ain't done yet. He ain't done yet. Man, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is When the Spirit Comes. When the Spirit Comes. When the Spirit Comes. When the Spirit Comes. And we're coming out of the book of John 16. John 16, every single verse, in fact. The book of John 16. If you got your Bibles, crack it open. If you got an app, find it there. If you don't have any of those, it's going to be on the Sky Bible. And if you need a Bible, let me know. We have those. John 16. Here we go. Ready? You ready for the Word of God? No, nah, are you ready for the Word of God? That's what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. That's when you know. Jesus plays for keeps. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to be with him who sent me. And none of you have asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. Nevertheless. There is so much power, friends, in the word nevertheless, especially when it flows off the lips of Jesus. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is about to be judged. I still have many things to show you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How much truth? Just making sure you're paying attention. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he, fe whatever he hears, he will speak. And when he will declare to you the things that are to come, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while you will see me no longer, and again a little while you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he is saying to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me because I'm going to be with my father. So they were saying, what does this mean? Like a little while. We do not know what he is talking about. And Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you were asking yourselves? What I mean? By saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while while you will see me? Truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Just in case anybody in the church forgot what a baby was in 2022. So also you have sorrow now, but I see, 
I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take you Take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, I will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, you will receive, that your joy may be filled. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak in figures, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask my Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. It's good news, amen? The Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God, and I came from the Father, and I have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, and now, and now you are speaking plainly to us, not using figurative speech, and now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you this is why we believe that you came from god and jesus answered them do you now believe behold the hour is coming indeed it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone and yet i am not alone for the father is with me i have said these things to you that in you you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart because i have overcome the world. We're going to pray. And we're going to ask God for his oil this morning. So, Father God, <laughs> Father, this is not how I pictured today going. Father, this is not how I thought this was going to happen. Father God, this is not at all how I planned, how I considered, how I prayed, how I poured myself out before you for this morning. But God, what I love is that man makes a plan, and then God determines his steps. So, Father God, this morning is maybe as thrown off as I confessingly feel right now by where my people are at. Father, I know that this is ordained. I know that you have a plan for this morning that can only unfold in such a way in this environment with these variables and in this way. So, Father God, right now, I just fully submit to you. As caught off guard as I am, you are not surprised because you have prepared something for the people in this room today. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Father God, that right now, God, we get to be in this space, in this place with your presence, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we get to meet with you, dine with you, commune with you, have time with our Heavenly Father where you come and you touch and you rest and you sit in this room and you make us like you simply because of proximity. So Father God, I ask that right now it wouldn't just be proximal to our location this morning, but it would be surgical this morning and you would come in and you would invade your people today. Every person under the sound of my voice, myself included, God, would you just begin to do a work today that when we leave here, the people in our lives go, what happened to you? You look different, you sound different, you seem different, and you say, yeah, I had an appointment with a great physician. And he gave my spirit a lift. He gave my heart a lift. And he gave my convictions a tuning. And he changed me and he met me in my mess and he made a message and a miracle out of it. Father God, we love you. 
We love you. So come and have your way in the people that are in this room this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. When the Spirit comes. When the Spirit comes. You see, friends, right now, I look out, and this whole time we've been going through the Jesus people series, and I told you a few weeks ago that, man, we were taking a pivot where we laid the groundwork for what the Jesus people are to look like in the world, what this looks like for us today, what the Bible has called the people of God to live like. We've laid the foundation. I told you like three weeks ago, we were going to pivot now, and we were going to begin to get into the radical, the wild, the transformational, the crazy, the irrational, the unexplainable, the unimaginable, but the things that are always possible with God. We were going to turn and pivot into the wild, crazy parts of our faith, and we started with talking about living in the glory, and then we started talking about how what you, and Adrian preached it beautifully, how so often in this life, what you struggle with, your deepest sins, your darkest things, are often the shadow man mirrored vision of what God has actually placed you on this earth to do. And then we talked about how we're called to live on and from an altar of worship, not just in moments of worship, but in every moment of our lives last week. And so I only felt it appropriate this week that we would now begin to explore, to tune into, and to begin to get an understanding today, a deeper revelation, if you will, of who the Holy Spirit is. You see, Jesus and all four of the Gospels, he's in this moment where you'll know the story, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but he, he, he rolls up, and there's a whole crowd, a whole mass of people waiting for him, and it says that there's 5,000 men and their women and children, and so it's, it's kind of thought that there would probably be about like 12,000 people there or so, and there's all of these people, and Jesus is going, and he's just looking, and Peter and everyone's going, Jesus, what are we going to do with all these people? What do you think of this? And you plan accordingly, and Jesus looks out, and he just says, I see a people, I see sheeps without a shepherd. And it says he had compassion for him. And, and what I think is amazing about that is I think right now we could all pause and we could all look outside and we could look on, online and we could take a look at the world right now. And what we would see is a people or sheep without a shepherd. Without a shepherd. I see a world full of sheep without a shepherd, in desperate need of God, in desperate need of Jesus, and in desperate need of the church. And what I see the church in desperate need of is when I look at the church, I look at the church, and I see a beautiful bride, but I see a beautiful bride who's in desperate need of the Holy Spirit. Who's in desperate need of the Holy Spirit. You see, friends, (laughs) We live in an area called West Michigan, especially in Grand Rapids, where there's like 700 churches in our city limits. Like, that's cray-cray. That's cray-cray. Super grateful. Really glad to be a part of it. I love the Bride of Christ in Grand Rapids. However, 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 what I see is I see a lot of Christians who believe in God. Like, don't get me wrong. I look around West Michigan, and I believe everybody here believes in the Trinity. I really do. I believe that everybody here believes in the Trinity. They believe in God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Bible. And then they live their lives picking apart all three of them. But truly, the Trinity isn't God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. No, 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 the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the reason I bring that up is because we live in a time and a place where the church, in large part in the Midwest, this is our region, this is where God has called us all to be, and we will be spiritual voices in this region preparing the way for the Lord. Will we not? We will be. And so in doing that, and enlisting the church, and bringing people in, and saving their souls, and doing this thing called building the kingdom of heaven here, one of the divine responsibilities we have is not preaching to where people are, but preaching where we want them to be. You see, this week I went through a bunch of, and we'll get back to that in a second, but we, I went through a bunch of spiritual warfare this week, and I mean warfare like real warfare. I mean like things I didn't see coming, things I couldn't explain, things that really sucked. I was tempted in ways I never thought I would be tempted. And I guess 2022 and pastors are being dumb all the time. So let, let me just specify, um, my family has a deep history of alcoholism and drug abuse and things like that. And this was the first time in my uh, almost 32 years of life and 16 plus years of following Jesus that I've ever been tempted to nurse my heartache in my spiritual warfare with alcohol. I'm happy to report to you, I did not. I woke up in the middle of the night in the midst of that temptation on Thursday. And I cursed the devil and I told him to get out. And while the next day was still hard for me and I was still numb and I still didn't understand what was going on, I was fighting and battling and having this time with the Lord where I was just trying to get the gum out my gears. And the Lord was speaking to me because I got to tell you, man, Thursdays are one of my big message prep days. It's kind of where it all comes together and I'm in the lab. My brain gets mushy and you're not going to hear from me. And if you text me, I'm not texting you back. Like, don't feel bad. It's just me and the Lord time, okay? Like, it's a thing. And in that... I couldn't get anything out of me. I wrote the worst message of all time. I was just trying to get this blockade out of me. I was trying to get a deep well going out of me. I was just trying to get something to move. And the Lord gave me a word. He gave me a new assignment for me as the pastor of this house, for this region, for this time. He said, Matt, preach what you want to see. Preach what you want to see. Preach what you want to see in your people, what you want to see in your church, what you want to see in the church at large, what you want to see the church in your region. Preach what you want to see God doing, what you want to see from God, what you want to see your people doing, what you want to see in your own life, in your own relationship. He said, Matt, preach to what you want to see. And I was like, what? That doesn't make sense, God. Don't you know, creator of everything? Now you're supposed to preach to where people are. And he goes, Matt, if you only ever preach to where people are, you may help them get out of it, but you'll never help them grow beyond it. He said, Matt, if you only ever preach to where people are, you may help them out of it, but you'll never teach them, grow them beyond it. And I was like, I'm going to take that to the bank. I'm going to take that to the bank. And so when we go for things that are high concept, quote unquote, hard things to explain, hard things to to get into, things that maybe we don't always have the answers for all the time, but Jesus says, this is my thing. Friends, let me tell you my position on everything in the word of God. God said it. That settles it. I believe it. 
Kind of simple, eh? And so when it comes to this mystery that we live in of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but so often church treats it like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, it's because this, the Word of God literally says, to Paul's words, he goes, listen to me, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't deprive the Holy Spirit of your life. Church, hear me today. The Holy Spirit is an all-consuming fire. And what he longs to consume is your life, and where he longs to burn is upon your life. He longs to consume all that you are and burn upon you in everything you do. Hear me today. He longs to consume all that you are, good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, and burn upon everything you do. But because we live in a secret church culture for the last 30 years, We've gotten really good at getting people in the doors, but we've gotten really bad at getting people to burn for the Lord. We've decided, you know what, Holy Spirit is a little complex. Well, that's because you spent 30 years just getting people in and, and converting them, but not discipling them. I hope you know at Takeover Church, it's not my interest to simply get you saved, but so that you live to save life. I'm not interested in raising you up to where you're a young man in here and you'll just date any other girl who claims to be a Christian on our social media, but I want you to find somebody and date somebody, single people, find somebody and date somebody that will help you save your soul. Hear me, makes you better, looks at you and looks and sees what you can be in Jesus and begins to help the Holy Spirit chip away all that you are that doesn't look like him yet, doesn't look like her yet. Find somebody to help you save your soul. Good? Okay. But here's the deal. Holy Spirit, he's not a concept. He's not a good vibe. He's not the feels when you get in the church. He's not the goosebumps that rattle up your spine. He's not. He's a person. He's a part of the Godhead. God is three and one, one and three. Why? Because he said so. The Holy Spirit is more relevant to the church today. And friends, let me tell you, I know I started off by saying that a lot of churches go, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. You need to understand this. Jesus literally says, my sheep will know my voice. Well, how do your sheep know your voice? Because they read it. Because they've seen it because they got a tattooed on them, they got a bumper sticker of it, and they have a Pinterest board full of scripture on it. Your sheep know your voice because they've read it. Friends, if the Holy Spirit sounds like you, it's not the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit sounds like your deepest unhinged, unbridled desires, it ain't the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like if the Holy Spirit comes to you Let's play make-believe for a second. I've actually had this happen before. It's wild. And goes, I really feel like this person is supposed to be my wife. But this person happens to be somebody else's wife. That's not the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we read in God's word that guess what? God hates adultery and God hates divorce. And the only allowance for divorce in scripture is if one of them creates adultery, partakes in adultery. You know what's funny? Is I had a guy one time, he came to me, and he was like, hey, I want to marry this girl, but she's married. And if I cheat with her, can she then divorce her husband and marry me? And like that somehow quasi cancels out sin? 
And I'm going, what kind of dog? You need Jesus. You ain't even saved if you think that's some, like what scales are you trying to balance out in a cosmic way to like, you know what I mean? This is like that hide the ball game with Jesus with your sin. Like if I just confuse him a bit. And I'm like, that's not how he works. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin, but the Holy Spirit will always lead you into truth. The Holy Spirit will always lead you into truth. And friends, you got to understand this. Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. Want to know why? Because our gracious God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three and one, one and three, that's who He is, that's how He does, it's what He says, okay? God, that gracious God who sent Jesus to die on our behalf so that we could be brought back into revelation and relationship with Him, that same God, he was gracious enough not to leave us how he found us, but to not only send his Holy Spirit, which we'll sp spend more time on in a second, but he gave us his word. Why? Why did he do that? He didn't have to. He gave us our words so we can test the voice in our head. He gave us his words so we can test the voice in our head. How do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? Does it sound like the God of the Bible? And just because it, it's can't believe we live in a time and place. Actually, I can because the world is falling apart every second. Uh, the God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament. And Jesus isn't a softer version of him. He's the same guy. Just so you know. The dude who squared up and like killed 400 prophets of Baal is the same Jesus that healed the woman with the issue of blood and met the woman at the well who was caught in adultery and like, same guy. It is also the same one in Revelation that's going to come back with a sword that he's going to pull out of his mouth and go to work. He's the same God. And he's also the same God that now lives on the inside of every single one of us as the Holy Spirit. You see, friends, one of the things I think is a big misconception with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit um, is for some people. It's like the Holy Spirit is, that's a Holy Spirit church. That's a Holy Spirit movement. Oh, they got the Holy Spirit worship. And we start, to, we start to take literally, we wouldn't do that with Jesus, would we? We wouldn't just go, oh no, that's a Jesus church. They just, it's just Jesus. That's the only Godhead they celebrate, it's just Jesus. People don't do that because they recognize that Jesus, what he came and he accomplished and he's doing still to this day, was to bring us in right revelation and right relationship with God again. So he's essential to our faith. But we have treated the Holy Spirit like he's unessential. But yeah, I'm telling you today, Christian, the Holy Spirit... Once you've had Jesus, met Jesus, had a relationship with God, brought back into the family, the Holy Spirit is the most essential Godhead to our daily lives. You see, friends, the Holy Spirit, what he does, his function in our lives, him dwelling on the innermost of us, his purpose, his function, is to restore the Christian to the authority they had in the garden from original creation. Hear me. 
the Holy Spirit's job is to restore the son, the daughter, back to the authority and dominion that was placed on them, given to them, set apart by them, created for them by God the Father in original creation. The sin of man caused us to fall out of relationship with God, but the blood of Jesus made a way so we could come back into relationship with God. And then from that relationship with God, power is restored to God's creation, God's image, God's imago Dei via knowledge? Nope. Bible school? Nope. White collar? Nope. Church attendance? Nope, but it helps. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so what a lot of churches have done because of the seeker-friendly culture of which we live in, they've decided it's too complex, it's too complicated, we don't fully understand it. Instead of humbly coming to the pulpit and going, here's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, here's what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit, let us come and reason together in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Instead of humbly saying that to a church, we've decided to not just quench the Holy Spirit, not just grieve the Holy Spirit, but we've decided to ignore the Holy Spirit. And I came to tell a generation, nobody puts Holy Spirit in the corner. Nobody puts Holy Spirit in the corner. We don't. He is essential to our faith. In fact, what we just read in John 17, two, uh, three weeks ago, I swear to you, for the church of this hour, John 14 through 17 are going to be the most important verses in the Bible for the years and age to come. And we will go back to them and we will reference them and we will teach on them because we will preach to what we want to see, not to where you are. Matt, this is all high concept stuff. I understand. We're getting fed today. I need us to grow. I need us to grow both in width, as in more and more people, and I need us to grow in depth, as in far as in when the Bible tells us that deep cries out to deep. And God is deep. And I want him to cry out to me. I want to be deep so I can have deeper conversations with him, deeper revelations with him, deeper moments with him, things that aren't just bird bath. Come on, somebody. But I want to start digging deep, deep wells with the Holy Spirit. Friends, right now I came to tell you you will either dig deep wells with the Holy Spirit or you will dig shallow graves for your spiritual life. You will either dig deep wells of revelation with the Holy Spirit or you will dig shallow graves for your spiritual life. This is what he's calling us to. This is the deep end of the pool. This is where things actually begin to matter. We don't just get to be on the sidelines, spectator, seeker-friendly Christianity. God is saying, I need some people to get up out their seats and get in the game. I believe in this church, in this room right now, and some of the people who should be in this room, I believe we got Smith Wigglesworth that will rise up in this room, that will pray over people in this very auditorium, and we will see before our eyes tumors fall off believe it. 
I believe that we will see John G. Lakes risen up in this church who are able to grab a hold of skin disease with their very hands. We ain't scared of no COVID. Grab a hold of skin disease. What if the church was running to the LGBT community right now who is being ridden with their own sexual sin and desires and getting monkeypox because of it, but the church was rising up and we were laying hands and like John G. Lake, we, John G. Lake, we would see skin disease disappear in Jesus' name. That's the church. I believe there's Catherine Coleman's in this room who, while yes, she is a scary preacher, and if you look her up, she's got like four messages. They're all in black and white, and she is scary. But she's the type of woman after God's own heart who could simply be having a conversation about the Lord and the person she was with without ever mentioning, without ever laying hands, without any anointing oil. They would feel Holy Spirit arrest them and tumors would dissolve in their bodies. I believe we've got Smiths in this room. I believe we've got Johns in this room. I believe we've got Catherines in this room. I believe it. Do the Jesus people believe it? And I believe it not simply because of show religion and televangelists. I believe it because the word of God says it. And that settles it. And so Jesus in this moment of scripture, come on somebody, can you praise him one time? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I know it's hot on a Sunday, but praise him. I don't. In this scripture. Jesus starts this thing off. He just got done telling them about the Holy Spirit the first time. And then he got done talking about, you need to abide in me. Because if you abide in me, I will abide in you. If you will graft yourself in, I will be the vine. You will be the branch. My father's the vine dresser. Like, we can do this whole thing together. Like, he says these things. And then he starts off this part of the conversation with his disciples. And he goes, I've said all of these things so that you won't fall away. I've said all of these things so that you won't fall away. And then he proceeds and he says, because guess what? You're going to be kicked out of synagogues. 2020, churches are going to be shut down. A lot of your rights in whatever country you are are going to be stripped from you. Just saying. Churches are going to be shut down. You're going to be kicked out of synagogues. And when the people come to kill you, listen to that. Jesus, he doesn't skirt anything. He don't beat around the bush, okay? Jesus just goes straight up. Oh yeah, the people who are going to kill you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they think they're actually servicing God. And why this is important for you and me is because much like the people in that day, while they actually believed in the God of Israel, and that's why they murdered people, the God of this world, the, the people in this world right now, who will persecute you, try to cancel you, lie about you at work, spread rumors about you, People who won't like that you're a Jesus peddler because they are all about serving the God of human pleasure. Those people, when they come to try and kill you, it'll, because, it'll be because you are a Jesus peddler and they feel like you are against human pleasure. And the God they serve is hedonistic, self-serving, selfish, sinful, lustful, gluttonous and only cares about pleasure. So why this portion right here is relevant is because the church in this hour needs to understand Jesus is still saying these things to us. 
the Holy Spirit is still resonating this on the inside of us. This is all to keep us from falling away because being a Christian is going to get harder and harder and harder. Following Jesus is going to be more complicated, more difficult in the days, weeks, months, years, decades ahead. There are people, we have a hard time understanding this because we are blessed to live in such a great country as America, but there are people working who currently set up legislation, set the rules, set the pace, who are famous, who are literally trying to change America into a place where Muslim isn't outlawed, where Buddhism isn't outlawed, where all of these other religions, atheism, agnosticism isn't outlawed, Satanism is celebrated, but Christianity would be outlawed. And that is simply a part of the church's future. So we need to vote. We need to do our civic duty by voting Christ's law, his plan for our lives but also come to the understanding that you know what it won't always be cushy like this and there will be a future where the church in America looks like the church in Rome 5 BC or 5 AD 10 AD 50 AD where we will be persecuted it's just the reality because the fallen will always stand against the resurrected. And the resurrection was all for, all for restoring those who would go after God with everything and then filling them. Listen, in the garden, we were separated from God. In the resurrection, a way back to God was made. And when you take him up on that, not only not only do we get to have a relationship with him, but this side of eternity, this side of the story that's playing out that God is writing in our world today and through our lives today, this side of it, the next best thing to a return to the garden is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He's essential. This is essential. And Jesus is saying as much because it's going to get hard. And it's even harder if you're stupid. And it's even harder if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It's stupid not to have the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus goes, listen to this. Jesus goes, tell you the truth. Thank God, God tells the truth. And Jesus goes, it's better that I go. It's to your advantage that I go. He, usually, he actually uses that word. It's to your advantage that I go so that the helper, the Holy Spirit may come. The advantage, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Somebody say it, the advantage the helper, the Holy Spirit. And can you imagine, put yourself in the shoes of, of John and Peter and all these guys and gals that are Jews that are following Jesus at this point in time. For three years now, they've seen who they believe to be the Messiah, who was taught about in synagogue, taught about in school, prophesied over. Their entire life and religion and way of thinking was built and predicated upon a Messiah coming one day, God's chosen person, and setting things right again for Israel. And they've spent three years with this man seeing God do amazing things. And all of a sudden, 
your hero, your friend, person you have sold yourself out to, you've ran for your life for, you have chopped somebody else's ear off for, the crazy buck wild things that you've seen, you have gone up against demons and you have won with this man by your side. And then he tells you, actually, it's better that I go. Can you imagine for just a second? Think about that. Your entire worldview up until that point. How old, how old were you? Were you 19 when you started following Jesus? 20, 20, 21, 23 by the time he was gone? Were some of you 40? How old were you? How long were you in that system? How long was that your upbringing? How long was that your culture? How long was that your mindset? And all of a sudden, that same Messiah says, I gotta go. In fact, <laughs> it's to your advantage. Can you imagine John going, hey, let me, uh, let me, <laughs> let me pull you aside real quick, Jesus. Um, hey, it's me, John, you know, the uh, disciple whom you love. Um, we BFFs. Like, see, I get, like, so you're saying it's to the advantage of everybody that you go? Like, I know that you like Peter, and you can leave him anytime. I get that. But, like, you love me. <laughs> Are you sure it's to my advantage? I'm the one you love. Can't you take me with you? Can you imagine? That would be a real moment. Not that it's in any way, shape, or form the same thing, but... Could you imagine if the people in this room, we all did something incredible for the glory of God where we built something that looked like a mega church but operated like it does right now? Where we had 10,000 people calling Takeover Church home in this city and other cities around our country and our world, but, but it, didn't, it didn't fall like other mega churches. And we didn't have the upline issues that other churches had, but we had this beautiful, amazing thing where Matt wasn't simply the lead pastor, and Adrienne wasn't simply the lead pastor, but we were wholly submitted in transparency to the Holy Spirit and to our church body and to people outside of it that held us accountable, and that was all on full display and open. Like, could you imagine with me for a moment where we didn't have green rooms, but the sanctuary was the green room? Where we didn't have special places for pastors and people to meet, but we had a place for pastors and people and everyone and Jesus to meet us? Like where so many of the things that we all know are wrong with some of the larger, amazing, yet still broken and flawed organizations and churches today. Could you imagine if we built something together and we did it for years and we, and we killed ourselves for it and finally we were at that point where we're like, we're about to see all the fruit of our labor, the amazing revival that Matt's been praying about since the basement on Madison at 1503 Madison is here. And then I just go, Deuces them out. <laughs> We'd probably all be like, what? I gave you my life, bro. I gave you my time, gifts, treasures, and talents, bro. We went through hell and back, man. I stood by you. You stood by me. You were there when my babies were born, when my mom was healed, when that dead body came back to life, when cancer disappeared. We did all this together, and you're just going. Now, if that happened because of me, that'd be because I'm an idiot. But if that happens with Jesus and these guys right now, it's because he's God and he has a plan above ours. And his plan, hear me, to restore humanity to its original creation of garden, authority, and dominion is the Holy Spirit. 
It's the Holy Spirit. And I love it too because he says, no, 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 you got to understand it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. Friends, I am convinced right now. We live in a time and place where so many churches do not talk about the Holy Spirit, don't talk about the helper, don't talk about the advantage. And so many churches, they live and they worship and they function and they gravel and they're hidden and ridden in fear because they feel like we're at such a disadvantage in this culture. You're only at a disadvantage in this world today if you've never met the advantage. You're only at the disadvantage in this landscape today, the temperature today, if you haven't met the advantage. We live in a time in a place where so many Christians, they live helpless lives. Have no idea how to carry themselves. No idea how to pick themselves back up. No idea the righteous fall seven times, but they get up eight is what the Bible claims, right? But we got a lot of righteous right now who just are staying down. I'm helpless. You're only helpless because you haven't met the helper yet. We got a lot of Christians living lives without seeing any fruit of the Spirit. Where's the long-suffering church at? Where's she? What's she doing? Where's the church that will stand before all of hell with a squirt gun and say, let's go? Where's she at? Where's those fruits of the Spirit? What about the gifts of the Spirit? We'll talk more about that next week, but where's the gifts of the Spirit? Where's the church that's saying, no, no, no. COVID is not an issue for the world. COVID is an issue for the church. Let's pray. No, 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 no. Flu time? It's not an issue. It's not an issue for fall. It's an issue for the church. Let's pray. Monkeypox? That ain't just an issue for the LGBT. Let's pray. Let's pray. I don't really think that there's a... I don't think it's by accident right now that we're seeing something of a skin disease coming about in the world in a time where the church is under pressure while, while pleasure is running the world and spinning it around right now and, and there's something that's a result of that fallenness coming and plaguing people that's so reminiscent of leprosy I don't think that's I don't think that's surprising to the Lord I think what's surprising not to the Lord because he knows all things but to me is the church's response to such things. Can we pray? Can I go to you and lay hands? Can I put on the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, activate. We sure like to quote that, don't we? But we don't like to live it. Let us pray. Let us exercise the dominion that we had in the garden. You see, when God first created Adam and Eve, he said, go into all the world, subdue it. Have dominion. Go, create, do amazing, wonderful things. I empowered you, I gave you, you are my image. I gave you everything. It is my very breath that is in your lungs. Everything that I am, I have filled you with already. Before we fell, before we sinned, before that happened, we were filled with the Holy Spirit when we were still muck and mud. And from there, God gave us the world and said, go do things. That's what he's calling us back to to this day. And that's why Jesus says, it's better that I go. It's better that I go. It's better that I go. There's an advantage 
There's a helper. This may not make sense to you, but we can restore what was lost in the garden and upon a hill called Golgatha, Skull Hill, resurrection life can flow through your bodies. God is able to do a new thing again. God is able to do powerful things again. God has a plan still. But we've got to be a church that's willing to say, man, we'll go where the weird things are. We'll go where the misunderstandings are. We'll chase after you, God, where maybe a lot of the other bride is, is fearful, confused, and not really sure. And we will chase everything that you are, God, with reckless abandonment. Because we've got a lot of churches right now living, a lot of Christians right now living about being worried about being on the wrong side of society. I want to be a church and I want to be a Christian that's worried about being on the wrong side of my Savior. And so when Jesus says, I tell you these things so you don't fall away, it's because the Holy Spirit, part of his job, church, isn't just to keep you in right standing or on the right side with your Savior. It's to keep you walking in the ways of your Savior. It's to keep you walking in the ways of your Savior. It's to keep you walking in the ways of your Savior. And so I love this portion of scripture because Jesus, he, he says later on, in just a few moments, don't worry, I got six closes, we're at the third one. Later on in the scripture, he says to them, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. The Holy Spirit will come and when he does, he will convict the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. Sin, judgment and righteousness why this is important to us today because right now we have a lot of christians who are not convicted of sin judgment and righteousness how can we expect the world to be convicted of sin righteousness and judgment when the bride of christ herself is so often not convicted of sin judgment and righteousness see the bride of christ she's called to shine shine a light in the darkness, but she can't shine a light in the darkness when she's in agreement with the darkness. But the Holy Spirit, he comes and he settles all of that, the uncomfortability, the understanding, the I don't get why people just can't be happy, like why can't people just live in sin and be fine, like those, all those things get settled when you understand the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you is preaching the word of God on the inside Nothing contrary, nothing changed, nothing added. And he is making it all make sense because you are in right standing with him. And his hope is that you would go into all the world and you would shine. You would shine such a light that other people would desire that right standing that you have within you. And then he goes on and he says, this Holy Spirit's going to come. And when the Spirit comes, somebody say, when the Spirit comes. When the Spirit comes. <laughs> he will give you all the things that are mine. And then he says, not only that, I'll tell you the truth. All the things that are my Father's have been given to me. And the Holy Spirit will give you all the things that are mine. That's huge. That's huge. I believe there would be a lot less division in the church today if every church had the Holy Spirit. 
If every church had the Holy Spirit, every believer within the church had the Holy Spirit. We have so much division. Oh, we believe this. They believe that. No, no, no. I'm sorry. There's one belief because there's one God. There's one word. That's how it is. There's one. This isn't if, ands, or buts about it. We don't get to debate. There is no interpreting here. There is one interpretation. It's what the Holy Spirit says, and it's what the Word of God says, and it's what they say about each other. That's it. He explained himself. He gave it to us. And then he died, slaughtered his son on a cross, brought us back into relationship with him, and then gave us his spirit so we can live this out. There is no interpretation here. We go to some churches and it's like, man, we just don't believe in the Holy Spirit here. I know, because you don't have the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Now, we just think that, you know, healing is for uh, some people, not for all people. You would think that. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit. Now, we think that just, you know, people are okay to live in sin and it's fine and we don't need to save them from it. It's not our job to judge them or to convict them or to come alongside them and tell them how they're living is going to send them to hell. Like, we just want to be an open door kind of place. Church without walls. I know you think that. But that's because you don't have the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And he's like, no, the Holy Spirit is what makes this whole thing come together. He is the glue in the midst of the puzzle piece. He is the glue in the midst of the mess and the puzzle that is us. The, re- the restoration of the broken image of God that we are. We look like a jigsaw puzzle when we come to God. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and he glues it back together. And over time, we begin to look more like him again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And guess what? That same Holy Spirit says, I'm going to give you everything that Jesus says. Worship team, you can make your way up here. We'll land this bird. He says, I will give you the things of Jesus. You need healing? Here's the things of Jesus. You need depression to go? Here's the things of Jesus. You need financial provision to come? Here's the things of Jesus. You need peace beyond all understanding? Here's the things of Jesus. Holy Spirit comes and he gives us declares to us, restores once again the same command that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. You and I now get to live out on mission in a fallen world. The things of Jesus. The things of Jesus. But what happens is is we don't take Jesus serious right now because for the disciples... They had a hard time grasping this concept. It's to our advantage that you go. But I came with a revelation this morning. We need to get a deep revelation, understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Because here's the deal. If you can't serve Jesus in the flesh, you'll never serve him in the spirit. If you won't submit to Jesus in the flesh, you won't submit to him in the spirit. You got to understand this today. The same struggles the disciples had are the same struggles that we face now. We're confused. We don't understand. It's void. It's shapeless. We can't really put him in a box. He kind of does his own thing. And like, I can't program him and put together a thing in a church service that makes it his. And like, I can't tie the Holy Spirit up nicely. It's not our job to tie the Holy Spirit up nicely. It's the Holy Spirit's job to tie us up nicely. It's the Holy Spirit's job. We don't present him in a bow in a box. He presents us in a bow in a box to his bride, to, or to, or to his groom, the Jesus, the bridegroom. He puts us. He makes us. 
He puts us in a dress, makes us white as snow, ties us in a bow, and presents us to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And then Jesus, we're going to sing a song called Fill Me Up. Amy and I didn't talk about this, by the way. This was just the Lord. But would you guys stand to your feet? We're going to start singing a song called Fill Me Up. And the last of those 37 verses I want to touch upon real quick is this. At the end, Jesus is about to go and have his high priestly prayer with God. And then moments after that, he is going to, he is going to go. He's going to get arrested. He's going to willfully give his life over to be slain for the foundations of the earth. And he's going to do his thing. And history is going to be changed. Everything's going to change. Reality is going to change. But in this moment, he says, he says, listen, take heart. Take heart. You say you believe me? You say there's no need to question me? Then listen to everything I said to you. And listen, if you will get the revelation of the Holy Spirit, if you will leave here today with a deeper revelation of the Holy Spirit, you will look at Jesus and what he's called you to do with his life the same way John and the disciples did in the scripture above this. And he goes, we believe you. We believe that you are from God and that you have no need to be questioned. If you receive a deep revelation of who the Holy Spirit is, you will not live your life deconstructing and questioning your faith and questioning Jesus. You will live a life submitted to the Holy Spirit because you will see, you will know, you will have a revelation that is deeper than book knowledge, deeper than seminary, and deeper than I can preach it. You will have a deep revelation of who He is, of what He can do, and what He wants to do in and through your life. You will have a deeper revelation of who you are. And most importantly, when you're under fire, like Jesus says right now, he says, take heart. Because in this world, you will have tribulation. Lasers will be on you. Guns will be locked on you. Hate will be thrown at you. Things will get shut down. It won't be easy for you. It won't. But take heart. What do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean, take heart? Listen to me again, boys. Listen to me again, girls. When you're going through troubles and trials of many kinds, take heart. The Holy Spirit says, I will give you the things of Jesus. And the things of Jesus are the things of God. What are the things of God? Everything he has. Everything in heaven, everything in the throne room, everything out back, everything he keeps for special occasions, everything for holidays and celebrations when another one comes home, the fatted calves that are slain, all the things of God that he has have been given to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, words of Jesus, he gives them to you. So one of those things, Jesus says, take heart. Take what heart? Take my heart. Take my heart. But what's your heart like, Jesus? It's like the heart of God. What's the heart of God like? An all-consuming fire, an unbeatable palace, a fortress, a refuge, a battalion, a brigade, something that's fully loaded and able to take out any enemy that would try and stand against it, something that's so full of truth that you can discern the lies of this world, the lies of the devil, the lies of family members and people about you, or even your own deep insecurities and hidden flaws. You can withstand it all because there's this heart. There's this Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, 
God, the Father Almighty, Yahweh, His heart is available to you. And Jesus says, I love this, just, just in case we don't get it yet. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And through my spirit, through the Holy Spirit, you will overcome as well. Because all things of God have been given to me and I give them to you. And if I have overcome, you can overcome. So hey, in the interest of Furnace Sunday, I want to see a church set ablaze. I want to see a church on fire for the glory of God. I want to see a church that is on fire with the Holy Spirit. So right now, worship team, begin to lead us and fill me up. And if you want to get prayed over to receive the Holy Spirit, Zach is running down right now as fast as he can with one of the bottles of oil back there. And we're going to be ready to go. If you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, like if you say, I think I know the Spirit, I've heard of the Spirit, but I don't know that if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. John says, Jesus would come and he baptized me in water and he would also baptize me in fire. Maybe you haven't had that yet. Maybe it's not been your experience. Well, God provides the Spirit. Let's provide the sacrifice. So let it flow. If you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, if we want to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, or even a deeper revelation of who the Holy Spirit is, of His personhood, of His power, of His magnitude, then come down forward. Don't wait for me to get done talking. This is your moment. Zach is ready to go. Our, our leaders will come down too. If you want to get prayed over for the Holy Spirit, this is your moment. Because I promise you, you won't be the same, and it will be worth it. So come, fill us up, God. 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 Right now, fill us up, God. Fill us up, God. Come on.